Hey, remember me? Well, I'm back. And we're gearing up for Lent. So stick around. Let's talk about it. Houston, we have a problem. Habemos papan. Podcasting from a parking lot in the Woodlands, Texas, it's the Catholic Hack with Joe McLean. Take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. 1 Peter 3.15 Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. It will be shed for you and for all, so that sins may be forgiven. The Church of the Living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 Do this in memory of Welcome back to the Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean, and this is episode number 75. It's been a long time coming, probably about seven weeks or so since the last podcast, but in between, it's been it's been a lot of activity. I put out a 13-minute short testimony that I gave at a men's day of prayer in January here in the Diocese of Galveston, Houston, that has made its way miraculously around the world. I've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of different people, both men and women. It's been a real blessing to see how the Holy Spirit has used that very short talk. Uh, For example, I've gotten an email from a a gentleman out in Cairo, Egypt, who's desperately asking us for prayers for him. And so we're going to do that today, as well as pray for all the other men who are addicted to pornography and the slavery of sexual license. And many of you have asked for prayers for many other things, for illnesses, for job situations, for marital situations. There's so much need for prayer. And that's going to lead us into what we're talking about today. We're leading into the season of Lent here very shortly. And myself, as well as another gentleman by the name of Travis Boudreaux, have put together a great project geared towards Lent. And I can't wait to share that with you today. So we're going to get into that. But before we do, we always start with prayer. So let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All gracious and glorious God, all praise to you. Praise to you, mighty God. I come before you to be humble before you, to submit myself to you in all that you ask. I pray for the strength to become the man that you've created me to be. Give me the courage to proclaim your glory in a world that doesn't want to hear it, to shine my light on the top of a hill for all to see. I come before you, Father, and I lift up all who desperately need you in prayer. For my friend in San Antonio, who needs steady work to support his family. For all the men who have contacted me, who struggle with addictions to pornography and sexual license. Father, I pray for their freedom. Send forth your Holy Spirit to be upon them, to free them from this bondage to encourage them to come home to you in the sacrament of reconciliation. I pray for all those who are married. I seek your mercy and grace to be upon them, that their vows will be strengthened, that they will seek to live up to their vows every day. I pray for the sick and the dying, May their sacrifice and their pain be joined to that of Jesus Christ on the cross, our Lord and our Savior, uniting that suffering to the cross, giving it purpose. O Heavenly Father, help them. Help them to seek purpose in their suffering. But I pray for their healing too. I pray for your loving hand to be upon them, to cleanse them, to remove all of their maladies, to give witness to your glory in their lives. I pray for those who don't seek you every day, those who refuse to seek you. I pray that you'll soften their hearts and that you will allow someone to come into their lives to speak with them, to encourage them, to witness to them, to be used 
by the Holy Spirit for their conversion. I pray. I pray for the conversion of President Obama. That babies, the unborn, will be saved. I pray for a reversal of his position on abortion. O Heavenly Father, for the glory of God alone, we seek this mercy. We seek your strength in all that we do in our daily walk. To be courage, to be courageous, to have the courage, to be saints on earth. To speak the truth in love, charity, and integrity. To seek holiness in all that we do. We ask this in your grace, for your glory alone. We also pray for the intercession of our Blessed Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All right. Well, for all the new listeners, I just want to say thank you for stopping by and checking out the podcast. And welcome. I hope that you have the time to go back to some of the older episodes and and have a listen to what we've done so far. I want to encourage you to stick around and be here for what's coming next. Well, next week, we'll be heading into the season of Lent with Ash Wednesday. And so to prepare us for that, a friend of mine and I got together and we came up with a great Lenten project that we're going to unveil for you tonight. I hope you get as excited about this as I am. So here's the question. What will you be giving up? And for whom will you be giving it up for? Hmm, intriguing, isn't it? Well, how about we roll up our sleeves? And how about we dive deep and get into the truth about sacrifice during the season of Lent? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! This school when I sit, even just a little bit, I get hit with the power that made the veil in the temple split. When I submit, fall on the floor and the door. Can't get enough, got to come back for some more. Hey, we've got a problem here. Sinner, every moment in the free can benefit in this school. Repent and commit. Roger that. The incense rises up in adoration of the throne. Something happens to my wounded heart from all the love revealed and shown. Bright like Shekinah comes to my head to persist. The change and sustain the way I think it exists. To feel the bliss because my name is in the book of life's list. That's what happens when you sit in the school of the Eucharist. Mr. Hammond, take her down. Make your depth 150 feet. 10 degree down bubble. 150 feet, 10 degree down bubble. Aye, sir. Dive, dive, dive. Welcome back to the Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean. And today my special guest is Travis Boudreaux. Now, Travis and I met because Travis, out of his great heart, volunteered to help me out with a project that I needed for Fullness of Truth. And I've had, since then, the great opportunity of meeting Travis and his lovely wife and spending some quality time with them. And I can't tell you how touched I am about this man and what he's trying to do with his skills and his aptitudes for the glory of God. And today, Travis and I are very pleased to announce a new project that we have teamed up on for the season of Lent. And so we're going to get into that, but we're going to start by talking about where Travis has been, where he's come from, a little bit about his journey. Travis Boudreaux lives just outside of Lafayette, Louisiana, and Travis was confirmed in the ninth grade, and he fell away from the church almost immediately thereafter for about six years, and then he uh, came back to the church through a journey that he'll uh, detail for us. And he's been in youth ministry for about the last seven years, volunteering his time. And he's been doing web development for the past six years. Travis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. It was great to be on. Well, it's my sincere pleasure to have you as a guest. So, Travis, why don't you you get us started by detailing for us your journey? What what happened? Why did you leave the church right after being confirmed? Um, Well, I I, I look back on things, and I believe it was a combination of a lot of uh, a lot of different things that were going on in my life. I was confirmed really young, um, 14 years old, ninth grade in high school, um, freshman in high school. Um, and at the time, uh, my mom and dad were both struggling with the faith. 
Um, and after I made my confirmation, um, they both decided to quit going to Mass. Um, and so at that point, the only person I had really pushing me to continue uh, actively growing in my spiritual life was my grandmother. And it was really easy to give her the excuse that I don't need to go to Mass because my parents aren't going to Mass. Um, you know, that it, it just wasn't interesting. Um, use the excuse that it was boring. Um, uh, around that time, too, probably uh, about two years before that, uh, I began uh, getting addicted to Internet pornography. Um, I was uh, very young when we got our first computer. Uh, my dad got our first computer when I was eight or nine years old. Um, and ever since then, I've, I've always been drawn to computers. Um, I picked up on them very easily. Uh, I was able to to maneuver my way through older operating systems, uh, things that were difficult for my parents to grasp at first. Um, I caught on too easy. And so I kind of became known as the, the computer guy in the family. Um, and that's something that I that I enjoyed. I enjoyed having people come to me and ask me, you know, how do I do this on a computer and how do I do that on a computer? Um, and uh, my dad's company had an, uh, had an Internet connection, a dial-up connection that they let him use. And uh, it, it really led to a, a rough time in my life. I was, I was really young. Um, when my parents were away, I would dial up, I would get on the computer. And, uh, you know, one day I just decided to go searching, and a young boy with hormones and not a lot of direction uh, started looking for the wrong stuff and quickly began a, an addiction to pornography. And I think that was something that really fueled uh, my walking away from the church. Um, it was something that I was heavily addicted to, um, pretty much an everyday obsession. Um, and as it grew, uh, became, you know, a few hours a day at least sometimes that I would, I would lose hiding and, uh, trying to make sure nobody caught me and covering my tracks and, and looking things up that I shouldn't have been looking up and stuff. Um, and then, you know, time went on, um, I went through high school, completed high school, moved on to college, um, stayed. Uh, home in Lafayette, went to the uh, University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Um, and I would say probably six months to a year after I was out of high school, um, my mom went through a conversion experience. Um, she was uh, she was at work. She works at a sand pit. She weighs uh, 18 wheelers that, uh, that are loaded down with sand. And she works by herself in her office most of the day. And uh, someone had left a book in there. Um, I don't rem recall the name of the book, but uh, I know she does. Uh, I remember she told me uh, later on after I had went through my conversion experience also that one day she opened the book, um, and on the first page there was, I guess what you would typically refer to as the standard sinner's prayer. And uh, she really didn't even realize what she was doing. And... Uh, the moment that she finished reading that prayer, she said that she, she felt the Holy Spirit just engulf her. And she began to weep and weep, and she couldn't understand uh, what was going on. She just had this huge uh, surge of, of emotional feelings of all of the sinfulness in her life. Um, and it was at that time that uh, she felt God come to her and comfort her um, and tell her it was okay that that she could be forgiven for for her sins, and uh, she began to to go back to mass, and it was it was really odd at first, um, because for six years um, I had kind of done my own thing, didn't go to mass, always used them as an excuse, and now she was challenging me, you know, son, you need to go back to mass, uh, and it was it was really hard to understand what had happened to her. Um, why why she had changed, and my dad and I were uh, were very uh, standoffish with her. We were argumentative, didn't really want to hear what she was saying. Um, and uh, at that time, she didn't really know what to do. Um, she felt that she needed to do something uh, for us, but she wasn't sure what. And every time she would talk to us, she would just run into resistance. So. Um, unbeknownst to us, 
she began uh, fasting and praying for us. Um, and she was praying every day, but she would fast uh, three days a week. Um, and within six months after she started uh, praying and fasting like that, um, there was a, a Steubenville conference. Uh, it's a youth conference that's run in the uh, Diocese of Alexandria, about an hour and a half away from here. And uh, she wanted to go. Um, the, on the on Saturday evenings, there's a benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. And uh, she had some friends who volunteered there, and she wanted to go. But my dad was a workaholic. He would work 90, sometimes 100 hours a week. He was in the all field. He, uh, he ran an all field company. And uh, he really didn't want to go. Um, so him and my mom had been fighting about it for a few weeks. And then uh, the day of the conference, my mom had kind of given up. She had, she had kind of decided to let go and let God. And uh, for some reason, my dad just felt, you know, that he needed to bring her there. Um, and so he, uh, he decided not to work that day. And uh, he talked her into going. Um, didn't have to try hard. She was a little angry at him for all of the resistance he had put up, um, <laughs> of course. But uh, you know, he uh, he was able to he was able to say, you know, let's go. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry we've been fighting about this. Let's go. And um, at at that night, um, they were in benediction. And uh, my dad, uh, being a Catholic all of his life. Uh, I think that, I believe that was the first time he he can recall really being in a benediction, um, and that, something that's common to a lot of Catholics around here um, is really a lack of knowledge of of the Eucharist that that it's really Christ present, you know, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and so he you know he was kind of taken back by all of what was going on and really wasn't understanding what was going on, but he was going with the flow. And um, as Bishop uh, Sam Jacobs, who's now the Bishop of uh, the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau, um, was processing with the Blessed Sacrament, there were security guards that would walk in front of him to make sure that people were out of the way, that um, there wasn't any instance where uh, someone could bump into the bishop and he would maybe drop the monstrance of the Blessed Sacrament. And um, so... As the procession was getting near to my mom and dad's area, uh, security comes in. And right before the bishop gets there, um, my dad was on his knees and he was kind of in the aisle. So the security guy, uh, the security guard grabs him and kind of pushes him what he thinks is out of the way. And when he moves my dad, instead of moving him out of the way, he moved my dad standing face to face with the bishop holding the Blessed Sacrament. Wow. And uh, the the bishop took the Blessed Sacrament and pushed it almost into his face. You know, it was really getting up close and personal face-to-face <laughs> with Jesus at this moment. And uh, my dad, you know, I, I guess that uh, I guess that in reality, you know, our, our minds might deny uh, that Christ is present. Um but to a certain extent, our, our souls know it. You know, our soul cannot deny right. that Christ is present in the Blessed Sacrament. And so my dad, not even really knowing what he was doing, fell to his knees and started weeping in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Wow. Um, and that night, um, my dad committed his life to Christ. Praise God. And so at that point, um, you know, on the way back home, my mom and dad you know, recount this, this conversation to me after I had my conversion. But it was at that point that uh, that they sort of became aware of their role and their responsibility in the path that I had chosen in my life. That, you know, they had set the example for me to stray away from the church and that they needed to do something about it. So they began praying and fasting together for me. Um, and... I'm sure at, at some point they probably felt that it was it was hopeless. Um, I became more standoffish with them at times. Um, I, I, rec- I recall a, a time uh, where I was standing in the door of my mom's house, 
And we got into some argument because she was trying to talk me into going to church again. And um, and I just remember telling her, looking her in the face and saying, you know, uh, I can't see God. You can't show him to me. Um, you can't prove him to me. Um, so, you know, leave me alone. And uh, I think at, at that point, that was that was the lowest point of my spiritual journey. That was That was where I had really come close to hitting rock bottom, so to speak, um, where I had really turned my back on God. And, uh, you know, there were times before that I acknowledged, oh, sure, there's a God, but, you know, what what influence does that have on me? But at this point, I had I had completely turned my back on him and, um, and just really pushed him out of my life and said that, you know, I can't see you, so, you know, I, you can't prove to me that you exist. Um, and I would say... Probably a month after that, my great-grandmother was sick, um, and they thought that uh, she wasn't going to survive surgery. Uh, she's 88 years old now, um, and that was probably seven years ago. Um, but I remember uh, going to the, to the hospital, and there was a, a chapel in the hospital, and my mom and my dad and some family went in there praying the rosary. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look back on it as something that I, I did um, just kind of go with the flow of what everybody was doing. Mm-hmm. And I remember having this feeling um, while we were praying the rosary that, that there was one Hail Mary that I had said that um, I, I felt something inside of me in my soul almost uh almost like my soul was crying out uh like my mind was fighting it um i was in denial i was denying god i was refusing god but my soul was longing for him and i remember at that moment having the feeling that you know what maybe god does exist um and sort of kind of turning away from that denial and that refusal and it was, uh, I'd say, two or three months later, uh, one of my mom's friends, uh, the same lady that worked uh, the Steubenville conferences, volunteered, uh, invited me to another youth conference in Alexandria called uh, In Your Face. And um, it was there that night that I gave my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, it, was, it was really an amazing day. There were... Uh, there were two men that played a, a influential, well, three men that played an influential role in my conversion. Uh, the first uh, was uh, Father Jose uh, Rabale Sanchez, who uh, actually gave a, a testimony um, on his struggles with pornography and masturbation uh, that he had in his life. Um, and it was it was really an eye-opening experience to know that um, that there was someone else uh, that had struggled with this and that was that was willing to to stand in public and not care if uh, if uh, people ridiculed him or mocked him for for admitting this. Yeah. Um, that he uh, he just uh, threw away all of the shame that could come with it and said, you know that this is something that I've struggled with in my life. Um, and through prayer and sacrifice, I've come beyond this addiction, and so can you. Um, and there was another young man there named Matt Smith um, who was really on fire for the Lord. You could see um, that he just really wanted to serve God. and. He was uh, he was such a, a good young Catholic role model that uh, that he was uh, he was trying to stay pure he was trying to stay chaste um, that uh, you know he talked often of his of his prayer life of how much time he would spend in daily prayer of uh, how he would frequent the Blessed Sacrament how he would he would visit Jesus uh, during the day um, and he was just a, a really positive witness for Jesus that day, and uh, then Bishop Sam Jacobs, um, who just really has a a heart for reaching out to the youth uh, in our area, and um, 
it was that evening uh, at uh, Benediction when uh, he asked if anyone would want to commit their life to Christ, and that I that I decided that you know I had wasted so much of my life, I had turned my back on God for so long that I had used all of the all of the skills. Uh, all of the knowledge, uh, everything, everything that he had ever given me, I had used uh, for my own selfishness and for my own glorification, and that it was a moment for me in which I decided that I was no longer going to live that way, but I was going to try to use everything and every resource that I had for his glory and not mine. Praise God. Well, that's a great story, man. Thank you so much for sharing that, and I hope that tonight, as we uh, talk about the project that you and I have teamed up on, that that's an opportunity for you to to make good in what you promised to, to do for God, to use your aptitudes, your talents, your skills, all for the glory of God. And I'm very excited about this project. I was excited when I called you that first time, and, and I think you were pretty excited too as you reacted to it quite quickly. So, um, yeah. you know, it's going to be a, a great deal. I just know it. I have that feeling in my bones that this will be um, a great project. This project is something that I've been excited about since that first conversation. It was uh, it was something that that I've really been searching for for a long time. That uh, I've been trying to find ways to use my talents, use my skills, um, use the knowledge that I have in in web development and application development, and uh, you know build something that could be a, a positive force in the church that could unite Catholics that could, that could bring them out and, uh, and, you know, help them in so many ways, help them to evangelize, help them in their prayer lives. Um, and, and I really think that, that this is something that, that can do that. Absolutely. As we come into the season of Lent, we, we, the church has asked us to, to focus on the passion, the death, and the, ultimately the resurrection of our Lord but we're preparing our hearts. We're starting to go into a season of sacrifice. We are joining our hearts with Christ and his sacrifice that he made for all of us. And so to that end, during Lent, it is our tradition, it is, it is our way as Catholics. And so we, we sacrifice. We go without things. And it doesn't have to be great sacrifices. It could be somewhat small sacrifices. Some people give up chocolate. Some people give up coffee. Some people, you know, they just they won't eat sweets for the entire uh, 40 days of Lent. Some people won't listen to the radio on the commute to work in the morning. Some people will increase their prayer time. And some people will fast from food. And so there's many different sacrifices that can go on during the season of Lent. And as you alluded to in your journey home to God and to the Catholic Church, how your mother started to pray and to sacrifice fasting for for your conversion and for the conversion of your father and what a powerful tool that was to be used for the glory of God and which ultimately led to your coming home and your father's coming home so we can see just in your own story your own life how this is a wonderful and unique opportunity for us to participate in the sacrifice of our Lord on the cross in a real and present way and it can have serious spiritual benefits. And I think as a society and a culture, and Travis, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think as a, a society and a culture, we've lost the, the value of sacrifice. We, we live in a fast food culture where we have to have it all now, and it's about me, 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 that we have totally lost sight of the power of sacrificing our own desires, our own personal you know, uh, good for someone else's benefit. You know, I totally agree with you, Joe. I think uh, that uh, while uh, a lot of the technology and a lot of the advancements in our society have been good things, um, you know, things like the Internet, increasing communications, um, things that have made our lives uh, more efficient, that, that we've become victims of that, that we seek, uh, we seek efficiency in everything, we seek comfort in everything, um, and that... Uh, you know, the moment we have a headache, we run for a Tylenol. Um, the moment we have a muscle ache, we, we run for uh, some sort of uh, relief from that pain. Um, the moment we have any kind of trouble, we, we seek 
to to avoid that we uh we look for we look for the blessing and uh we we often forget that that we have to uh, we have to pick up our cross and we have to carry it um and that we have to walk behind our lord um and i and you know offer up our sufferings and use those sufferings for the good use those sufferings for his glory use those sufferings for the glory of the church um and you know offer those things up um for really important issues that we have for conversions in our family uh for conversions in our friends for conversions in ourselves that uh that we may become more holy that we may desire to seek god's glory even more um and I think you're absolutely right that uh that we've uh somehow become uh victims of our own success in, in our growth in technology. Yeah, I, I see too many well intentioned Christians, not necessarily just Catholics, but I'm speaking in a more broad and general term here. Too many well intentioned Christians who are seeking that resurrection glory by bypassing the Good Friday Passion. And see, our Lord didn't come for comfort. He didn't come to be praised. He didn't come to to sit in high honors, to, to live lavishly, to have people serve him. He came to serve. He came as a as a, the lowest of his society. And he took on flesh, and that by itself, that demeaning of his of his person to take on flesh to become like one of us should tell us of the power of sacrifice by taking on flesh he sort of lowered himself to our level brought himself down to us although he was perfectly divine but we can see that it, his whole purpose his whole desire his whole intention was geared towards sacrifice learning to sacrifice our own desires for the well intentions of others and that power is is just sort of sitting there on the table and we leave it there we 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 don't go after that we don't we don't dive into that power of sacrifice of uniting our own suffering to that of Christ on the cross and this project that we're talking about we're talking about using suffering sacrifice for the glory of God in a real and present way in our american culture as many of us know that this past November, for the first time in this nation's history, we have a black American president. That is a great and wonderful thing. Unfortunately for us, it just so happens that this this uh, president is a pro-choice president, which means that his actions, his decisions will lead ultimately to the increase of deaths in unborn children not the decrease and this to us is an extremely sad situation as we fight for the dignity of the human person the equality of all human people no matter how small they are or no matter how old they are or how sick they are that we care for all people and their dignity and so we fight for that we pray for that and this lent we want to sacrifice for that and so we we go out now during the month or the 40 days of lent and we pray for the conversion of barack obama and that is the project that travis and i are starting it's called convertobama.com now travis why don't you tell us why don't you share with us how this project got off the ground well um it actually came to fruition through a conversation that you and i had um it began uh, with a phone call, uh, talking about some ideas for uh, um, doing some testing uh, on the Fullness of Truth site uh, that we have. Uh, we have an online registration script that uh, helps uh, automate some certain things uh, for the conference, uh, relieves a little bit of workload off of you. Um, and it was during that conversation that, that you told me of this idea you had um, of, of having a website that would be uh, devoted and committed to uh, to bringing uh, Catholics and Christians there, um, and having them offer uh, prayer and sacrifice, combining uh, those two things. Because often we think of sacrifice on one hand and we think of prayer on the other, um, but that we really need to take those two and unite them and lift them up for a cause. And um, that there could be so much power and so much good that could come through that 
um, as Catholics around the United States, Christians around the United States, and even around the world, uh, would unite with us and join in this mission to pray for our president um, and to pray that his heart is changed, um, that God would reveal to him the error of his beliefs. Um, and through that conversation, uh, you know, I began to get excited. It was it was something that uh, that was uh, really easy to motivate to get motivated for, um, because you could see how how simple a concept it is, but uh, how much great could come from it um, if if people were to unite behind it and and really get really get that fire lit in them, really let the Holy Spirit move in all of us um, and to unite and not worry that, you know, the president is a Democrat um, and that maybe we're Republicans or maybe we're independents, maybe we don't support his beliefs, but that um, he needs prayer um, and that uh, not only does he need prayer, but he needs prayer for specific reasons um, that we believe uh, his policies uh, will eventually lead to more harm in the country than good. That uh, that no matter how good any of his policies could ever be, as long as babies are being aborted and killed in our country, um, that our country will be worse off for it. Um, and that eventually we will have to be held accountable for that. That we will... Uh, that we will have to stand before God and testify why we didn't do something, why we didn't stand up, why didn't we pray, why didn't we sacrifice, why did we just complain instead of uh, instead of taking the hard road, why did we why did we whine and bicker and take the easy road instead of following the hard road? Absolutely. And I think it's very important for us to realize that we're called to do this. This is absolutely scripturally based. And, the, you know, what we're relying on, what we're falling back on, what we're using for our foundation for this particular project is found in the first letter of St. Paul to Timothy. And I think it's very important to quote at length here a portion of chapter 1. Yeah, starting at verse 8, it says, Now we know that the law is good. If anyone uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, immoral persons, sodomites, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the glorious gospel of the blessed God, with which I have been entrusted. I thank him who has given me strength for this Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithfully by appointing me to his service, though I formerly blasphemed and persecuted and insulted him. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of the Lord overwhelmed me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus." The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the foremost of sinners, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience for an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life, to the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's verse eighteen or eight through seventeen in First Timothy, chapter one. Now, what I like about this, this is very, this is very pertinent to what we're doing here, because he starts off by talking about the law and how the law is good and it's made for the unjust, not for the just, because just upright people don't need a law to do the right thing, but the unjust do. They need a law that they can follow to prevent them or to help them from committing things that are known to be wrong. And so that's very important for us to, to remember, that the law is good, and it's meant to, to always go back to right and just doctrine. Now, we happen to live in a country where the law of the land supports the murder of unborn children. And this is, as we know in our hearts, wrong. 
And so we pray because this also, this verse, this passage of scripture also talks about how St. Paul himself blasphemed against Jesus by persecuting him. And it was through his mercy that he was transformed, that he himself was converted from the wrong thing to the right thing. And now he has the opportunity to use his position, his stature, his skill sets, his aptitudes, his personality, everything he has, all now for the glory of God. And we wish for this same process for President Obama. He is in a unique position as president of the most powerful country on the face of the earth. He has a lot of influence. Now, it's his position on abortion that brings us the most concern. Although it's not the only one, but it does bring us the most concern because more people die to this than anything else. About 1.4 million children a year die in this country due to abortion 98% of those children die because the parents simply don't don't want them in their lives that to us is genocide this is horrible this is an affliction that must be stopped and so we must pray we must offer up sacrifices for the conversion of president obama just like saint paul who once he was saved went on to do glorious and wonderful things for god and the same could be possible and true for President Obama. The next verse that we like to re- refer to for this project can be found in the very next chapter. And it's just, it's talking about the power of prayer and what we're all called to do. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all men, for kings and all who are in high positions that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life, godly and respectful in every way. This is good, and it is acceptable in the Spirit of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Praise God. St. Paul has really hit home for us in this project. And so what we hope is that we can all come together during the season of Lent, and we can offer sacrifices and not just and I want to encourage people to really stretch themselves really kind of go out of their comfort zone here and do something they've never done before and Travis how about we give them some ideas what can people do for sacrifices that might be more than the average more than what they're normally doing every Lent um you know I think that the the possibilities are endless um it could be uh, as simple as uh, the conversation my wife and I were having earlier um, that uh, that she really sees um, how much of an effect uh, MySpace, Facebook, social networking has had in her life um, and uh, how much time she spends in that. And uh, one of the things she's considering giving up for Lent is giving up uh, social networking and trying to... Uh, trying to find a way to use that time that that she loses every week doing that um to do something positive to 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 pray more um to uh to do uh things that are uh that are service related um serving others um it can be uh you know uh fasting typically the first thing people think of is food it could be um fasting from food once a day. Um, it could be as radical as fasting for 40 days. Uh, I, I recently had a conversation with a, uh, with a Knights of Columbus insurance representative that uh, recounted to me uh, an experience where he fasted for 40 days um, just on bread and water um, and how much of an impact that had in his life. Um, and it could be as radical as that. Um, I know personally you, you've recounted uh, numerous times to me how you've uh, offered up sleeping on the floor um, and how, how powerful that has been in your life. Um, I know that is something that uh, St. John Vianney did many times. Um, in fact, uh, it was, it's been told numerous times that uh, he, would, he would give his mattress to people who didn't have a mattress to sleep on. Um, and then he would sleep on the floor. Um, and he would go weeks or months without sleeping on a mattress. He would just sleep on the floor in, in his rectory. Mm. Um, it could be 
walking on, on rocks all day long. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about, how, how, uh, how quick we are to remove a discomfort. Uh, if, if we get a small rock in our shoe, uh, obviously we aren't going to die. Uh, it's annoying, it's painful, and the first thing many of us want to do is pull our shoe off and shake the rock out of it. Um, and that's something that we could consider doing, walking, you know, walking on rocks, um, having to, to constantly be reminded all day long, you know, that we're, that we're walking on this. Every time we take a step, we feel it. Um, and so I think that could be a way that we could, you know, really be united to that suffering because we have to make conscious decisions every time we take a step that, uh, hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give in to this. I'm not going to uh, to give in to my selfishness. I'm not going to pull off my shoe and dump out these rocks. I'm going to struggle through this, and I'm, you know, I'm going to cause myself some pain. I'm going to cause myself some frustration. I'm going to cause myself some aggravation. But I'm going to take all of that, and I'm going to offer it up to the to the glory of God, and I'm going to offer it up for the conversion of uh, of the president and for the conversion of his policies. That's right. Um, I believe uh, was it Saint Ignatius um, who was uh, in the uh, spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius. Uh, the use of uh, hair shirts um, was a common practice. Um, that's something that people could consider doing. I'm not exactly sure where they might find a hair shirt, um, <laughs> but just wearing something. You know, wearing something under their clothes that causes a little bit of discomfort, right. um, that causes a little bit of pain, that causes a little bit of suffering can right. go a long way. I mean, if we come out of our comfort zone, that's what we're talking about here. Coming out of your comfort zone, uniting our suffering and our sacrifice to Jesus on the cross. You know, so much of how we can approach God is simple. Like a child, as Jesus said, let the children come unto me. John 13, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and he tells St. Peter that if I don't wash your feet, then this is all for naught. And so St. Peter says, not my feet, but my whole body, wash everything. And Jesus says, now what, what I have done for you, washing the dirtiest part of your body, I've sacrificed. I, who am master and teacher, have sacrificed for you. Now you go do for everyone else. And so we've lost this idea of coming out of our comfort zone, of offering up these little sacrifices. Again, they don't have to be extreme. We're not going to flagellate ourselves, you know, with a flagellum, you know, but some people have in our, in our church's history, but it's not necessary to go to that extreme. But I do encourage people to step outside of that comfort zone. Do more than give up chocolate this Lent. How about, here's an idea, how about wake up at 3 a.m. once a week at minimum and pray for an hour? Or wake up every day during the, during the week and pray in the middle of the night? Or how about go to Eucharistic Adoration at 3 a.m. at your local 24-7 uh, uh, Perpetual Adoration Chapel? Do something that's outside of your comfort zone. Really, you know, sort of ex explore this powerful opportunity to offer up sacrifice for a great thing, and that is the conversion of our nation's president in hopes that he'll reverse his policies, that children will survive and live as a result to offering up our sacrifices. And so, for example, just to share with you what I hope to do, I hope to sleep on the floor every Friday night, as well as I'll fast from food that day too. But I'm also planning on wearing a rock in my shoe during the week, and I'm planning on um, waking up at least once a week at 3 a.m. to pray for an hour. Now, that's not, that's not huge. Those aren't huge sacrifices, but they're doable. They're outside of my comfort zone. And so I'm, I want to push myself just a little bit so that I'm uncomfortable and, and so that I can offer that up for the glory of God, for the conversion of Barack Obama. I'm still going through the process of trying to trying to uh, think of if there's anything else that I would like to add to this. Um, but definitely, um, I'm going to be uh, offering up an extra hour of prayer weekly before Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. Um, and I'm also going to uh, fast one day of week outside of Friday also. Um, and, Joe, just for your listeners, I mean, you know this, but 
you've seen me. I'm not a small boy. <laughs> and, uh, uh, my body in the absence of food doesn't do real well. Right. Yeah, I hear um, you, brother. Um, but there's, you know, there's so many different ideas uh, that run through my head just even on the phone with you right now. Um, things like, uh, you know, making trips to abortion clinics, right. uh, praying outside of abortion clinics. Uh, for, for some people that may have never done that before, um, you know, find the nearest abortion clinic and maybe make a, a, a vigil uh, every week or every other week uh, on the weekends, you know, uh, whatever your schedule allows. Um, go there and, you know, pray for the young women that are walking in to into these abortion clinics and, you know, what they may be doing to themselves and what they may be doing to their children. Um, uh, also, uh, something that's uh, pretty common uh, in our diocese um, is that uh, usually once a month or so uh, they'll have a, a all-night vigil where men will get together um, and walk around a church parish or uh, some church property and uh, carry a crucifix. You know, uh, the men will rotate out walking around carrying the crucifix um, while some other men uh, stay in vigil with the Blessed Sacrament um, and everyone's offering up uh, multiple rosaries throughout the night. Mm. Um, Those are great ideas. that might be something to do. Uh, maybe that's even something that could be done as a family. Absolutely. You know, all night, all night prayer vigil, um, could be done in the home, praying for uh, people in your family who may be considering an abortion. Um, I mean, if statistics are true, uh, then one in three women in our country go through an abortion. And I don't know about you, but there's more than three women in my family. Um, that may be numerous women in my family that have had abortions that I don't even know of. Right. Um, it's not something you just walk out, you know, and tell everybody at Christmas, hey, guys, I got pregnant and had an abortion three months ago, you know? Right. Um, and how much damage that can do in our families, um, how much uh, much pain and suffering that, that people may not even know are going on in their families and in their friends' lives. Um so, That's you know, right. those are just some more things that, that we could think of doing. This project is not a project of hate or anger or anything of the sort. This project is a project of love. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. He says, the greatest thing that we could do is to lay down our lives for someone else, for those that we love. And we should love every human person. And we sacrifice for those people. We sacrifice for those who don't have anybody to sacrifice for them. For those who don't have people to pray for them, we must pray. And we see a, a, an urgent need here that people's lives, human persons, need to be saved. They need to, give the op- they need to be given the opportunity to have life. And so that's what this project is. This is a project of love. What a great opportunity that you and I have to sacrifice for our president to pray, to fast for his conversion. And so that's why we've put it together. And the website is called convertobama.com, all one word. And so real quick, before we wrap up here, Travis, why don't you just give us a real quick tour of the site and what someone needs to do when they log on and just how easy or how complicated is it? Um, You know, the site's been built to be... uh as simple as possible. It is uh, basically just one page um, where you you know you'll see uh, a, a large banner that that presents the president, um, and it has a slogan that says "Conversion Change Worth Praying For." Um, and, and I think it really brings out the emphasis of, of the president being a leader, and it it, uh, it ties together abortion and prayer for him, uh, and, and the reason that we're praying, praying ultimately for his conversion. Uh, praying for him to walk away from these these things, um, and then there's a, a few simple components to the site. Um, uh, first off, uh, the first thing I like to mention there's a video of the uh, Super Bowl ad that was rejected um, that r- that runs on the site. Um, I think it's really a good way to tie uh, that project that was done by the Fidela Center together with our project. Um, that ultimately both of them are working towards the same thing. Um, 
bringing about an end to abortion in our nation, um, and also praying for our president, praying for his conversion. Um, and uh, there's also a list of of what people are doing. Uh, it just keeps track of uh, the most recent uh, offerings that people are making. Um, it mentions uh, what what sacrifice they're making, what prayers they're ma- what prayers they're offering, um, and it's just a way to uh, foster ideas, um, to uh, to help people who are having trouble deciding what uh, what they're going to offer up. And then the most important part of the site, of course, is where people actually register to do this. Um, and it's very simple, not much required: name, email address, and then what you're going to do. What are you going to sacrifice and what are you going to pray? Um, and we're also keeping track of uh, when you're going to start it and when you're going to end it. Um, and the hope is, is that um, we may add in some more features where uh, it integrates with Twitter accounts or maybe uh, SMS accounts if people are open to that, um, and to send them reminders to, uh, to not forget about the, uh, the promise that they made, not forget that, um, that they're willing to do these things. Um, and so we're kind of keeping track of that. But also, we want people to use the site specifically for Lent, um, but also beyond Lent. Um, just because Lent ends doesn't mean that prayer ends, doesn't mean that sacrifice ends. We have to go beyond that. Um, if If after six weeks of Lent, you know, Abortions are still going on in this country, um, and our president hasn't changed. We we can't give up. We have to we have to continue. We uh, we have to endure. We have to run the race to the finish, whether right. we win or lose. We have to we have to push forward. We have to fight the good fight. We can't just give up and wallow and throw ourselves a pity party and say we tried and we failed. We have to to continue to do these things, even if even if it brings suffering into our life, even if, if it brings a little bit of pain into our life. Um, you know, we need to do these things. Absolutely. Praise God and amen. And this is the tool that can help us do this. It combines us as a community so that we can see the power of prayer and sacrifice. Now, I've experienced this personally through my Crisia weekend when other people sacrificed for me. And let me tell you, it it bowled me over. It was so powerful. I want to do the same thing for President Obama. I want him to feel the power of prayer and sacrifice for the citizens of this country, for him particularly, how much we sacrifice for him. It could really mean a true conversion in his heart, and it could mean the saving of lives, and that's why we're doing this. So I encourage you to log on to ConvertObama.com to register today to sacrifice, to commit yourself to prayer and to sacrifice for this purpose. I also ask you, I personally ask you to help us get the word out, to send this website out to everybody you know, asking them to participate and asking them to send it out as well. We need to move on this very quickly. We need to get the community together and utilize this powerful time of Lent, preparing for the death and resurrection of our Lord and combining our sacrifices with His for the saving of lives, specifically the lives of the unborn and President Obama. Well, Travis, thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight and for working with us, working with me, you and me together at this great project. And this is just an exciting endeavor. And I can't wait to see the fruits of this. And I'm telling you, it will come. It will come. So praise God and amen. I agree. Thank you, Joe, for having me. God bless. Special thanks to Travis Boudreau for working with me on ConvertObama.com. I sincerely appreciate your help for that. And be sure to stop by the blog at www.catholichack.com. That's all one word. For more information about the podcast and for all the other episodes, I could really use your help on iTunes. So subscribe through iTunes today and leave a review. That's the best way that people can find this podcast and you can help by doing that. 
Hey, on Thursday nights, Josh LeBlanc from the Catholic Underground and I produce a radio show on Radio Maria out of Lake Charles, Louisiana. It's called Finding Your Keys, and we do Ustream that live. So follow me on Twitter, Catholic underscore hack, for more information and for details. Well, until next time, I'm praying for you, so please pray for me. May God richly bless you. From the Catholic Underground. Based on digital.